the quest for gold, we are now one week away from opening ceremonies in Japan. Team USA is entering one of its largest teams into the Summer Games this year. 613 athletes competing in 44 different events. They will represent 46 states and the District of Columbia. 329 women, 284 men. Continuing the streak of three straight Olympic Games with more American women than men competing. The youngest athlete, 15-year-old swimmer Katie Grimes. The oldest equestrian, Philip Dunton at 57. This is his seventh Olympics. There are six sets of siblings who will be competing. 193 American athletes are returning to the Games. 106 of them have previously medaled. And we know what Team USA will be wearing. This week, Ralph Lauren unveiled its Team USA ceremonial uniform. The 600-plus athletes will be wearing tailored navy blazers made from U.S.-grown wool, a red Olympic patch on one breast. They'll wear a horizontal blue and white striped t-shirt dyed in a process that uses less water, chemicals, and energy, a patch on the back of the pants, a nod to leather alternatives, this one made of plant-based materials and agricultural byproducts free of synthetic plastics. And for the flag bearer, a built-in personal air conditioning system into a white jacket worn by the yet-to-be-announced athletes. First Lady Jill Biden will join the U.S. delegation at the opening ceremonies of the Tokyo Games. We still don't know what those will look like. We did learn this week from IOC President Thomas Bach, medal ceremonies will not include medals being placed around athletes' necks. In an effort to protect against the spread of COVID-19, those medals will instead be put on a tray, and the athletes will put them around their own neck. And despite Japan seeing the most new COVID-19 cases in six months, IOC President Thomas Bach says there will be zero risk of spread for Japanese residents and athletes at the Olympic Village during the Games. Athletes have been testing themselves daily and need to submit proof of negative tests in a special app. Because there will be no foreign fans at these games, Team USA is efforting a special watch party and Olympic experience for families of athletes at Universal Studios in Orlando. Athletes will be allowed to send two family members or friends to Orlando in four-day waves corresponding with their events. As for the sports themselves, tennis legend Roger Federer is passing on the upcoming games as he tries to get his knees healthy enough to take part in the upcoming U.S. Open. Team USA men's basketball struggled in their opening exhibition matches, losing to Nigeria and Australia before beating Argentina in Olympic warm-ups. Bradley Beal was put into safety protocols while in Las Vegas. He will not be heading to Tokyo. The U.S. women's basketball team fell to the WNBA All-Stars in a dual All-Star game and warm-up. Final score 93-85. USA Baseball will be training this weekend in North Carolina before heading off to Japan. And in this week's Athlete Spotlight, we head to the pitch. She's one of the youngest players on the U.S. women's national soccer team, but she's already got a World Cup under her belt, and she's hoping to add a gold medal in the coming weeks. We sat down with Tierna Davidson of the Chicago Red Stars. What is the last... I don't know, 18 months been like for you when it comes to training, when it comes to going about your day-to-day life. I'm sure that especially when the, when the pandemic first hit, um, things were probably pretty chaotic for you. Kind of, kind of walk me through what those first couple months were like. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not your typical 18 months leading up to a world tournament. Um, you know, the, we had our She Believes tournament in March of 2020 and directly after that, they said to us, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, um, but we think we're going to have to cancel the next camp. Um, we don't have any information about the Olympics, but for right now, we're just going to train as if the 2020 Olympics are going to keep happening. 
Um, but, you know, we'll give you more information as uh, we find it. And I think that was kind of how everybody was rolling. Everybody was kind of like, uh, we don't know if jobs are going to keep or, or, you know, going to send people home. We don't know if things are going to stay open. Like nobody really knew what was going on. Um, so we all went back into our home markets. And that was the beginning of the 2020 preseason for the NWSL. And I think in Chicago, we got in two maybe three days of preseason before they were like you know listen guys we're we're not gonna train the nwsl's put a moratorium um on training um you know we'll see what information we get but for now we're just gonna cancel training for the week and then it was two weeks and then it was three weeks and then it was like well you know if you guys want to go home to where you're from if you want to do that if you want to stay in chicago fine um, but so I went home, um, to California because at the time in Chicago, I actually didn't even have an apartment yet. Cause I had just moved apartments and my lease was supposed to start in April. Um, and so I was stuck in an Airbnb <laughs> for the first couple of weeks of a pandemic. Um, and so I went home and I actually used the kind of weird limbo time to take classes, um, at Stanford to, progress towards finishing my degree. Um, so that was kind of the silver lining of the pandemic was that they actually put everything online and it was much more accessible. So I started taking classes um, and I was just training at home, but we didn't really have any word as to when we'd come back to Chicago or if the Olympics were happening. Um, and then it's like fine. free weights and running and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even get into a gym. There were no gyms open. There was nothing open. Couldn't train with a team because no teams were getting together. Um, so it was just, luckily, my family's pretty active. So we've amassed some stuff in our basement. So we had some free weights and some bands and things like that. But it certainly wasn't the ideal setup. Um, so that was kind of how I think everybody was was living life, was getting together what you could get. I mean, I'm sure you tried to get stuff from target or dicks or wherever and everything was out of stock. Like all the weights were out of stock. I could barely even find cones to go out onto the field. Um, but yeah, it was definitely weird because that was supposed to be, you know, our most intensive time together as a team to really start preparing for the Olympics to really start melding together. Um, and we were all, all over the country, all over the world, even. Um, and so I don't remember exactly when we got the news that the Olympics were postponed, but um, it must have been probably sometime in May, May or June. But that was also around the time where the Challenge Cup um, for the NWSL kind of got brought to us. Um, and so we were told to come back to market um, to start training for the challenge cup and that, you know, we would probably be the first league in America to come back, um, and start playing. Um, and so that was both exciting and a little bit scary because you never really want to be the Guinea pig. Um, you never really want to be the first anybody to do anything. And, and then people figure out, Oh, you, you know, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Um, but it actually went really well. And I would, largely attribute that to people's compliance um to the protocols I, I think that if we had people just wanting to do their own thing and not wanting to pay attention to the rules it would have been a lot more difficult um but 
luckily we had good rules in place, um, really strict testing, really strict protocols um, to keep everyone safe. And so um, we as a team did pretty well um, in terms of keeping ourselves in our own little bubble, keeping everybody healthy and safe. Um, And then we went to Utah for a month um, to play the Challenge Cup. Um, And that actually went off pretty well too. We, all the teams, I think, stayed pretty much healthy for the most part. Um, And we were able to to get through that tournament without any big hiccups. Um, But it was definitely kind of weird after that tournament finished because it was only August and we were meant to be playing uh, through October and everyone's like, well, what are we going to do now? Um, And especially the few of us that were on the national team were like, well, now we have another year to prepare for the Olympics, but we don't really have much of a proper place to do it because they weren't hosting camps yet. Um, Definitely. I don't think, I don't think anybody was, was ready. Um, The pandemic was, was really, really raging at that point. Um, And so they didn't want to bring us all together yet from all different locations. Um, But we actually, then the NWSL put together the fall series, which gave us a couple more games and a bit more training time together, which was nice. Um, And then October was the first time that we'd had a national team camp since March. Um, And we came together, um, in Denver. And this was also, you know, a very dry run, like, let's see if all of our protocols are going to work, if it goes smoothly, if the testing goes well, because, you know, we were all coming from different locations, um, different teams and environments. um, And we need to make sure that, you know, our our camps are usually quite interactive. We're sitting in a meeting room together, we're eating meals together, we're on the bus together, we're training. So there's a lot of different you know, points that you have to modify a little bit. Um, and again, I think that the compliance was a, was a huge part of the success, um, making sure that everybody followed the rules so that we could all continue to train and um, continue to be there. Um, and since then, camps have gone smoothly. Um, From the national team perspective, though, do you, do you feel like you guys are back where you were or where you would have been had the pandemic not happened? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're on a very good trajectory. I think that um, the pandemic actually gave a lot of players an opportunity to um, do what they needed to do, um, which is really important. Um, Some players either, you know, got, medical procedures for, for things that they needed to get done in their bodies, like small surgeries, that kind of stuff. Some people took some time off. Some people went to Europe and played. Some people stayed to the end of so and played. But I think that the time actually allowed players to, to grow or to nurture themselves individually, um, to kind of present the best, their best selves um, come 2021. And I think that's what's happened. Um, and so I think though it was a very weird 18 months, I, I think that people really kind of took it took the bull by the horns and, and tried to make the most of it. Um, and a lot of players I've especially heard from a lot of the veterans that they feel refreshed um, from some of the time that they took off or some of the time they took to focus on their bodies and their um, personal wellness, um, which is fantastic because this is a very draining job. This is, um, you know, it's go, go, go all the time. And um, to have 2019 have be the world cup and then um, 2020 was going to be the Olympics. I think it was um, a special kind of, reset that people got. Um, and so I really hope that 
um, I, I think that people are, are in a very good space, both physically um, and mentally, um, and that allows people to perform the best. And I think we've seen that from a number of players. I think one of the one of the names, obviously Carly Lloyd, on this roster, and and she is the oldest, the senior most player on the team. You know, the the question always arises: Oh no, we've got to wait another year before this tournament. From what you gather, everything's good there. Like another year doesn't hinder some of the players in their late thirties, as far as you know. They're it's another year on them, but obviously they did get to rest. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is that those players are are going to be fit and ready and and anxious to go yeah i mean i think some of the players um have actually felt the best that they felt in many years because they were able to take that time to focus on their bodies um and that's you know usually the most taxing part is just constantly slamming your body into the ground but um uh, these players have been able to kind of reset that um and i think it actually has prolonged their career um which is which is really great for them do you, you you've had well, were you surprised by this roster at all? Was there anything on there that surprised you? Congratulations on making the roster, by the way. I, I forgot to throw that in there. But, you know, when, when, the, when the 18 got announced, anything surprising? Or was that a, pretty much what you expected? I mean, I, I think the hard part about roster selection with the U.S. team specifically is that, like, you, you can't go wrong with the player pool. You can't go wrong with anyone in the player pool just because the player pool is so saturated with really great people. Um, and, and really immense amount of talent. So I wouldn't say that there were surprises so much. So as like, nobody was entirely sure what the roster was going to look like. Um, and so I think you would assume surprises if you were kind of had a, a very good idea of what the roster was going to look like, but I think everyone was kind of on the edge of their seat, um, waiting, waiting to get the phone call. And so I think that, um, you know, I, we have a fantastic group of, of women here, um, and a really great, broad range of youth and and experience and um everything in between um so i'm really looking forward to to taking this journey with them what was what was that call like for you where were you at how did you find out <laughs> i was uh, i was in my apartment and i was actually packing to get ready to go um to seattle with chicago and um blacko had texted the night before um, because he was setting up everyone's calls. So he was like, Oh, are you available at this time? And I said, yes. Um, so I was deeply, deeply anticipating the call. <laughs> I can't tell. I, I don't know if, you know, waiting for the call, knowing that it's coming or not knowing when the call is coming and, and picking it up by surprise would be better. I don't know which one is better, but um, yeah, I was, I was in my apartment um, and, you know, I was very nervous, very anxious, of course, to pick up the phone when his name popped up, but um it turned out to be a positive call. Um, but I was just thinking the whole time in my head, I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I need to get off the phone so I can call my parents. <laughs> and so that he doesn't hear me <laughs> break out <laughs> on what's, the phone. What's it like playing for him? I, this is, this is interesting because, you know, everyone's going to see this, uh, a lot of familiar faces on the field in Tokyo. Um, but there's a new person pulling the strings, right? It was, it was uh, Jill Ellis up through that world cup. Now you've got a new coach. First of all, tell us a little bit about what Vladko's been like, kind of what the vibes like on the team. Has anything really changed at this point or um, is it pretty much still, still the same tight knit group of people? Yeah. I, I, I love him as a coach. Um, I, I think that he does a very good job um, at making every player feel valued in their role and their position. 
Um, and, and I think that he has a great attention to detail, which I appreciate. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the vibe of the team and how the team operates is largely based upon the players. Um, and, uh, the core group of players has, has stayed significantly the same, um, from 2019 until now. And so I would say that it doesn't feel too much different in terms of any sort of vibe around the team or anything like that. But um, I think that because everybody that makes it into this pool is kind of cut from the same fabric, um, no matter who you have around you, it's kind of going to be the same vibe of pushing each other to the, to the, most extreme extent, um, but then also, you know, having each other's back to the end. It's, it's this, this interesting dynamic of, um, you know, uh, just wanting to be the best soul bad that you want to die, but then also being everybody's rock and like being super, super supportive of each other and like just trusting each other. Um, and it's a really unique environment and very special. The players who were on the 2016 roster, is there a chip on their shoulder to flip that bronze to gold? I mean, I, I assume going in, the expectation is gold. You're American soccer, female soccer player. You're expecting gold. I mean, is there pressure that's building up to, to really perform? Or do we know that anything can happen on any given day and you're just trying to take it one step at a time? Maybe a combination of both. Yeah, I, I, I think that it is a combination of both. I think that there's no secret that there is pressure um, with the kind of success that this team has had um, over, over the years. Um, I, I think that you know people kind of want to see uh, the big dog on top go down. Um, that's, that's no secret. Um, and so I think definitely there is always that pressure, but I think that this team also thrives under that pressure. This team loves to embrace that pressure, um, and take it onto the field and throw it back in people's faces. So, um, I think that the process to, um, challenge that pressure and to bring it down, um, and to succeed underneath it is to take it, game by game, day by day. Um, so I think it's, as you said, a, a mixture of both. Um, you do feel that pressure, but it's also about saying, okay, there's that pressure. We recognize it. We understand it. But here is what we're going to do in order to get done what we need to get done. Um, and that is put everything you have into each practice, into every recovery that you do, um, into every meeting that you're in, and then every game that you play uh, um, in order to be successful um, in the end. So, yeah. This is going to be a different Olympic experience. If you would have gone in 2016, the you know Olympic Village and opening and closing ceremonies, probably not going to be the case here for for many of the athletes. Have you thought much about you know what this is going to look like? I think part of it from from the athletes I've spoken to, you're going to land, you're going to go straight to wherever your residence is, you're going to practice, you're going to play, you're going to get the heck out of there. So I mean, it, there's not going to be a lot of interaction and. Unfortunately, there aren't going to be any, well, no foreign fans. So your family, your friends won't be able to, uh, to attend and, and watch you in person. Have you had a chance to think about that and, and talk about that at all and, and what, what this experience is going to be like? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it's actually okay because since I haven't been to an Olympics before, I don't really have anything to compare it to. Obviously, I could compare it to the World Cup, but it's just not the same tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have anything to, to compare it to, so it might not be as interactive with the other athletes, um, or, you know, having as much family around or having as much of that kind of true team USA experience. Um, but you know, I, I don't know anything different. So, um, you know, I don't really know what I'm missing. Um, I, I have heard some great stories about, um, players meeting other athletes and like, obviously 
we watch a lot of sports. We have been talking here about watching the track and field Olympic trials and how they're just so amazing to watch. So it would be nice to be able to meet some of those amazing athletes, but um, whether we do or, or do not get to, um, we'll see. But, um, you know, I, I think that we're there to, to do a job and ultimately um, we do well under pressure. As I said, we do well with adversity. And so this is kind of just another thing thrown into the fold. Um, and I think that at least by having had camps since October through the pandemic and having um, experienced kind of more isolation and more bubble like um, environments, um, I think we're pretty well prepared for the isolation that we're going to feel um, with this tournament. Um, do you feel safe in Tokyo? Yeah. I think one of the concerns is that someone might, you know, be exposed and put the whole team, you know, out of commission. And that, that's going to be a concern. But I mean, do you feel like all the protocols that they're doing are, are safe and will keep you safe? Yeah. So I, I think, as I just mentioned, that because we've had camps leading up to this, um, we've been able to practice um, protocols. We've been able to um, address different situations of, you know, a false positive or, you know, someone positive testing positive and like needing to address it and contact trace and make sure that everyone's safe and healthy, um, regular testing, like mask wearing that all, all sorts of stuff travel. So we, as a team have been able to experience that. Um, and so I think that, um, we've developed a level of comfort with the protocols, um, and everything that, you know, we have in place. And I think that, um, in addition to the protocols that, um, the IOC puts forward and that Japan has, like, we also have our own like additional set. So um, I, I feel pretty good about um, everything that the medical team has put together. Um, it's also nice to, to hear that a significant percentage of our delegation has gotten vaccinated. Um, so that's another layer um, to add to our protection, but um, you know, we're trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to keep each other safe. Um, and, you know, all all the athletes that we might come in contact we're trying to keep everyone safe so hopefully um we can continue that trend so that we can get to the end of the games all right what do you do when you're not uh, when you're not training when you're not on the fields did you pick up anything over the pandemic did you binge on netflix did you pick up gaming did you learn how to bake uh, what 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 did, <laughs> what did you do to, to waste time well, I, I took classes at Stanford. Oh, that's right. As I said, I, I took classes in um, last spring quarter and last fall quarter. Um, so that was actually a really nice way to, to take up my time. Um, and I, it feels weird to say that like classes, oh, were just like my, my time taker. Like it was just my hobby. Um, but it actually was uh, quite nice to be able to have that to, to focus on and to keep me busy um, and to keep me stimulated to be honest um i also did pick up uh some paint by numbers um and that was a nice little bit of relaxation to do um with a nice little reward at the end but um yeah i i think that something that i also really enjoyed especially in the early months of the pandemic was spending more time with my family um probably since i got to college i haven't been able to spend a lot of time with my family just because I travel a lot. Um, and so to have even just a month, month and a half at home um, in May and June with really nice weather in California, um, being able to take walks with my family, have family dinners um, is not something that I've been able to experience in a while. Um, so it was nice to have that, um, that, that bonding time. 
Do you do you have any social media handles? Is there any place that you're you're posting pictures? Yeah, I have I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter. Um, I'm probably more active on Instagram than Twitter, and even probably should be more active on both. <laughs> uh, but my handle is just my name. It's at Tierna underscore Davidson. Um, luckily, I have a pretty unique name, so it wasn't taken. <laughs> Next week, we march to the Olympic Games and we'll cram in two more quests for golds before the cauldron is lit. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll talk to you soon.